Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. Oh, this is a podcast, so people probably don't know this, but we both got matching uh, Mike Tyson face tattoos. Oh. <laughs> that was... I, I don't recall that. Surprising. <laughs> but, well, people don't know this. Let me back this up again. We don't talk to each other the rest of the week. We don't even acknowledge each other in passing. So that's, that's it wasn't right. coordinated this or anything. All, we, yeah, just we just just ended up with the same tattoo. Showed up that's with weird. Mike Tyson face tattoos. Anyone who knows me know that that's, that's a lie. <laughs> I have exactly the right amount of marks on my body as it is. I don't need any. Well, he has the traditional, uh, what is it, New Zealand Maori tribal <laughs> tattoo. Is this where we're going? Is, yeah. that, is that what's happening now? And I now? actually have a tattoo of Mike Tyson's face. Oh, so yeah, it's different. It. it is different. The conversation it's... starter. <laughs> I told you, I warned you, right? Caffeine. I tried to say when he gets like this. It was like a a time release caffeine that all hit me as soon as I hit record on the podcast. I offered him M&M's, so it's probably a good thing he turned down the sugar as well. So, well, right right. now I can hear my wife screaming, will you please just start reading the passages? read the passage. And like that goes well. (laughs) That's always smooth. I'll try to maintain some measure of professionalism here. Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Welcome back to Reading in Church and Other Distractions. I am Robert Wallace. And I am Michael McKeever. And we are at Proper 21, or the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. And so these texts are for October 1st, 2017. So, got quite a... Yes, the date. Yeah, I thought I'd add the date there. Good. Um, Good. We've got Exodus 17, so we're going to try and get water from a rock. Oh, and the other distractions are timeless. So use them any date you want. That, that's true. The distractions are timeless. That is part of the title. <laughs> Heard from a few uh, listeners <laughs> this week. So that's true. There's a reason we put other distractions not in called the title. reading in church. That's all. <laughs> so. uh, Psalm 78 uh, portions thereof, um, and Philippians two. I'm very excited about Philippians two. I love Philippians yeah. two. Yeah, that's a great passage. It is. You've been very nervous amazing. as we've gotten ready. I've Every time I've brought it up, you've gotten twitchy. I don't even know about that. Well, and like then, we said, it's just a conversation, right? Not an exegesis. Unless I ask, how would you exegete yeah. this in our conversation? In well, which case, which case? And I then might, Ma- I might ask that about Exodus, <laughs> Matthew 21. I'll make up something. Yeah. Um, and nobody will care because it's not Philippians two. <laughs> so. <laughs> So hope that nice you have... know your philosophy of teaching. That's good. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, it's like, you I know... mixed it up, but nobody cares because it's the old it's the... Well, you know, it's close. <laughs> I had a conversation this week about the Isaiahs, right? How many Isaiahs? One Isaiah, yeah. two Isaiah, three Isaiahs. You tell me. <laughs> and we get this we get this big debate about Deutero Isaiah and Trito Isaiah and First Isaiah. And and I say that, you know, these exact same issues are at stake in Zechariah. But nobody mm. cares because okay. there's no Jesus right. stuff in okay. the second half yeah. of Zechariah and all yeah. the Jesus stuff's right. in the second half of Isaiah and everybody gets all right. worked up about it. So yeah. it's true. Um, I actually did say to the class, though, I said, you know, I remember you. I don't even know that first Isaiah was a Christian. I, I said. <laughs> words of Christ in red. I, I, all those words are in red in Isaiah. Yeah. Um, I did say to the class, you say, I remember that this bothers some people, but it's been so long since it's bothered me. I can't remember what about it yes. bothers you, bothers people. So could you help me know what bothered? And they all looked at me and said. No, I don't know what it's bothers us about this either. So, well, okay. So apparently I trained them all in survey or they didn't care, one or the other. But anywho. Past caring. Um, 
follow us on Twitter and and uh, like us on Facebook and send us an email. We haven't talked about the email no. address in a while. I send actually us... went there and checked, and there aren't any emails. Oh, no one send us an email no. or birthday wishes I or this jokes. Isn't forwarding. Or... This isn't forwarding, but no, no, they just nobody nobody <laughs> send us an email. Readinginchurch at gmail dot com is mm-hmm. our email address. Lots of room in the mailbox. That's right. That's right. Got a really, a wicked echo plenty. right now oh, when I go there. Good space. Oh, oh. Still still available there. Uh, so want to want to do that? Leave a review on iTunes. So that would be that would be nice. Um, you know, before we get into actual text, I had a thought this week about some. This is actual scripture, but not scripture that's on the scripture list that I didn't. I know I didn't talk to you about it, and you have that oh, sort okay. of nervous look about you. No, but I was just thinking that actually people interact with us more on social media than they do email. Is that antiquated? I get well. Yes, like, yeah, email. Here's our answering machine. Yeah. <laughs> Faxes are your <laughs> questions. Dedicated. <laughs> Make sure and fax your questions. Dedicated answering machine. No, I was thinking this week. I was, actually was driving in this morning and was thinking about creation. The same time. Genesis 1, very early, yes. And I was thinking about people who read Genesis 1 as um, as a temple, uh, mm. a construction yeah. of a temple image. Uh-huh. N.T. Wright does this a lot. Okay. And that w- there there is some basis on that, and and at the end of the creation of a I temple, thought he said it's exile. You put, you put I'm sure he did. <laughs> I have no doubt he did. <laughs> but at the end of the creation of a, of the building of a temple, you would always put the image of the deity in the temple, and so that's uh, the image of uh, God going into mm-hmm. the to the you know, creation. But then I was thinking what you said about Revelation about how the New Jerusalem mm. is the holy of holies. Mm-hmm. So that would make the rest of creation the temple. Yeah. yeah. So uh. that both. The beginning and the ending of the Bible end in temple in some mm-hmm. measure, yeah. which is yeah. kind of nifty. Paradise, privileged, accessible, yet yeah. now accessible. It's where you meet God. Yeah, I, I just thought that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. and Which yeah. then also brought me to the Gospel of Luke, because that's what Luke does. He begins and ends in the temple. Right. Oh. Right, in Luke. So the Bible itself. Not in, not not in, in Acts. Acts. No, yeah. but yeah. the Bible itself yeah. does. I just thought that was cool. It's temple, but it's not It's not a garden. It's... right. A city that's like a, a city so it doesn't. Uh, so human history and culture is not a parenthesis. A, right, a, a city is like an embodiment of oh, human yeah, culture, of culture, right? Contributions and uh, all the good things, all the good stuff. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that wasn't <laughs> the bonus text. I, I, that is that, yes. That'll be your bonus text. What was it? Uh, uh, faith nuggets that you call them every faith now and nuggets, then. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that was. was Save them nugget. up and they make a meal. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm ready for uh, Exodus, if you're ready for Exodus. I am ready. All right. Exodus 17, 1 through 7. Yes. From the wilderness of sin, capitals, singular. Yes, that's a place. Okay. Yes. So see, see Romans on that. <laughs> no, uh, no. Don't see Romans. <laughs> capital see a map. <laughs> singular. Or a map. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, people pr- approach this differently. So. Sure, sure. And that's that's the magic. That's the, <laughs> that's the magic, he said, halfway into the first clause. The From the of wilderness magic. of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages. As the Lord commanded, they camped at Rephidim? Sure. Yeah. But there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. He said, Moses said, the narrator said, wait, have you heard this verse? Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, mm, this manna is so salty. <laughs> no, that's not what they Flaky, said. Flaky, yes, but salty. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. <laughs> 
the Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. This is where he does the snake thing again? There's no snake here. That's not even relevant. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Yes. So, and they had tone in their voice. They did have tone when they said that without question. I I like there's sort of a little bit of a a chiasmus here because Massa and Mirabah quarrel is Mirabah and testing Mm. is Massa. So that's kind of a neat, neat thing you got going on there. Good stuff. Uh, So the verb is uh, for quarreling. Uh, Rib is what gives you the uh, uh, Mirabah. Uh, name there. It's also the people quarreled with Moses, that mm-hmm. that issue there. Um, is quarreling different than mumbling, murmuring? Uh, probably, that, yes. That's that just a translational argu- argu- argument here. This is a geographically complicated situation. Should we say it's murmuring to your face? Yeah. <laughs> you murmuring at me? Why do we murmur against each other? Um, because... Th- they're in the wilderness of sin, and then they journeyed to Rephidim, except we're going to call it Mirabah and Massa, and apparently we're close enough to Horeb for Moses to get there, even though Israel doesn't get there till chapter 19. So okay, there's a lot of geography here that's coming together. Plus, you've got the Mirabah-Massa story in Numbers 20, mm-hmm. which is almost this exact story, except instead of hitting the rock, Moses speaks to the are supposed to speak to the rock. Yeah. He actually does do it the way he always had done it rather than do it some new way. Right. You know, it's always yeah. hard to get a church to well, do something new. Well, he might have been thinking of Exodus 17. Hey, Moses might have been. I'm sure Moses was thinking about <laughs> Exodus 17. Uh, Moses is another victim of the, we'd never done it that way before, Lord. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, exactly. he decided to do it the old-fashioned way, uh, and it took more work to get the same results. All the one times there. before we did it this That's way. right. That's right. It's called tradition. Uh, yeah, <laughs> look it up. Yeah, there's some... Um, but there's some neat stuff here. I mean, some confusing stuff here for me that, that I don't know, God's going to be standing on the rock. And so Moses has to hit it. I, I don't, that's confusing to me. I, I don't fully understand that. Um, hmm. I was looking at some commentaries on this and it falls victim to the same, um, crime that is committed against the manna. People start arguing for water breaking forth in the mm-hmm. crust of the earth oh, as okay. opposed to trying to read this my yeah, mind yeah. the rocks at a very high you know, rocks in, in will do Sinai, that in the Sinai. Very high <laughs> they'll break open hydrologists will tell you that <laughs> exactly high, it's like why are you doing this they're more like sponges actually <laughs> what the <laughs> world are you people doing to the text stop it <laughs> i know it's so ridiculous i was going to come in with a whole bunch of that stuff like it's actually a bugs and you know. and or sap not rocks <laughs> as, as it were so no this is for me this is about again People not trusting in God's provision, even though God has just this is one giving you water before. with one hand tied behind your back. This from a rock. Right. That's right. true. It's a miracle. Right. I mean, it's you're not. Yeah, it's a it, miracle. It, it's yeah. once again something that God clearly is is at hand with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's not like they can. Oh, never mind, God. We stumbled upon this stream. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's oh, not these rocks kind are kind of, of a, juicy. Actually, not that kind of a situation. Soft center. This is a clear moment where God yeah. has broken yeah. in right. and uh, is doing that. Uh, some interesting references to, uh, you don't normally look backwards, but you get the, your staff with which you struck the Nile. Um, that, yeah. That's an unusual okay. phrase in the telling. You don't normally get okay. a plague reference later okay. on, hmm. but that's kind of a neat, um, a neat thing. This is, by the way, exactly what God says to him 
in form in numbers where he says, take, you know, you and Aaron, take your staff and then mm-hmm. go out and speak to the rock here. It's take your staff and go and hit the rock. Yeah. Um, in both cases, it's a challenge to Moses authority. They're, they're ready to, um, ready to kill him. Um, they have to, to stone him. To Is stone that a little him. poetry there? Oh, well, that's nice. I never considered that. That's him. a good point. Uh-huh. And yeah. isn't wilderness sin a little bit on point with the metaphor? <laughs> isn't that a little bit obvious? That it's, works in English. It's not really a light touch there. Yeah, yeah that works in English, okay. but uh, that's actually a letter in Hebrew. Um, so it'd be like, you know, uh, oh, the wilderness oh, that, of Q. Oh, oh or, that letter. Or V. Okay. Yeah, Sin and Sheen are oh. both letters. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that uh, that's important to the story, but uh, <laughs> that again, that only works but in English. But it undermines my argument. <laughs> don't, don't preach on that. Don't preach on that. It doesn't work. But... Um, yeah, I mean, what do you want to talk about here? This is fairly, again, it's people lack, you know, God has answered, God has answered, God has answered. The people keep doubting, the people keep doubting. They're challenging well, it's Moses' been a leadership. Chapter. I mean, <laughs> it's been a whole chapter <laughs> since God has provided. Is he to... still here? Well, yeah, I can imagine getting thirsty. I mean, water is an issue. It's a huge issue. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've led a group in Israel and they yes. start grumbling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, yes. You need lots of water. Yeah. I think it's about hydration, staying hydrated. So this is stay hydrated. That's the lesson of this text. It's important. You know, didn't you pack something before we left? I tried to tell you it was going to be. Although they did have a cloud the whole time. So they weren't actually in the direct sunlight, right? That that shade most of the time. (laughs) I don't know how much insight we're giving toward the text on this one today. (laughs) I think they're filling. But no, it's a, there's a challenge. The challenge to Moses leadership, I think is important because Later on, I think that's what motivates Moses' ultimate sin. When this same story yeah. is told in Numbers 20, and God tells him to speak to the rock, I think Moses in that text feared that's not active enough. Yeah. You know, that doesn't look like we have a connection. It doesn't remind them that I'm important. It doesn't remind them I'm in charge. It seems like a minor, you know, mistake to be right. kept out of the promise. Yeah, land. that's what keeps you out of the promised land. Yeah. But it was, I think, well, there's a couple of things at work there, but I think that that on Moses' part, it was a failure to trust God as well. Mm-hmm. That that God is the one who establishes and gives Moses authority over this people. And to presume that God's way of doing this isn't quite showy enough to make sure the people remember you're also an important guy and you and the Lord are tight. Hmm. Um, because all God said was speak to the rock in numbers. And when he goes out, he speaks to the people and he says, must we bring you water from this rock? Yeah. Uh, you know, claiming this association with God. Um, but I think the reason that such a small mistake keeps him out of the promised land comes from numbers, actually numbers, um, 13, where, um, you get the challenge of Miriam and Aaron mm-hmm. and God calls them out and says, what, what's the matter with you? We're talking about Moses. Yeah. I mean, why were you af- right. not afraid to challenge Moses? This yeah. is the Moses. Hello. I speak to the him. Moses. Face, this is you the, know, from this the is Bible. The, exactly. You know, that baby Moses grew up to be Moses. Yeah. And, you know, you, you should have known better. I think that's the yeah. reason that it hurt Moses is that he should have known better, right? God gave okay. him these things faith. faith right. You he, know, he had to trust on that. Sense. I mean, you should have known better than to not do what God said. That seems, you yeah. know, but it was yeah. a failure to trust. At the end yeah. of the day okay. here. So, so I think this in a lot of ways sets up that story of, of yeah. you know, here, look, they're getting ready to stone me. My, my life's in danger. And I think Moses had a point. His life is in danger yeah. there as well. I mm-hmm. mean, their people are ready to kill him because, you know, he's led them out to this place with no provision. And so, so here God, you know, reestablishes he's in charge and we're getting ready to get some good stuff. The 10 commandments are coming and, Ooh. you know, this, some miracles on high, but, but yeah, eventually you get this reminder that, that, You've got to trust in God no matter who you are, whether it's Moses or 
or the people, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's going to be hard to trust, but you're going to need to. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think that could simply be the message here. Yeah. It's, a, it's hard to trust, but you need to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. The bumper sticker for Exodus Doesn't 17. Have to be fancy. Nor does your, your overdoing what God tells you have to be fancy. <laughs> Less drama. Well, if only. Less drama, more obedience. Mm-hmm. So right. the Massa and Mirabeau names are used here. They're used in numbers. Um, so I guess if you wanted to name a place where the people tested and grumbled against the Lord, there are a lot of places in the Sinai yeah, you could name are, right? testing and grumbling. So, <laughs> Right. I'm thinking of a, what is it? What's the place they called bitterness? Is that, what, is that where they drank the uh, the ground up? It's Miriam, isn't it? I'm, I'm thinking out loud. Maybe, yeah. maybe not making the connection. To, uh, is there some waters of bitterness? Yes, is that, there is. is like one of these? There stories? is. No, it's tangential. Not it is. And I, <laughs> the Mara. Trying to remember exactly. Mara, the, I wondered uh, if there was some bitterness. Uh, <laughs> trying to remember exactly the reference now. I wonder if that was a bitter root underneath. The, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was just an old guy that had just grown. <laughs> yeah. You know. So legitimate miracle. Yes. Trust in God. It's not like quasi miracle, like <laughs> blood from a turnip. And, <laughs> that's a different parable. The blood from a turnip parable comes elsewhere. Okay. Now, now, and the, the Actually, reality the turnips is in the Sinai. <laughs> the, uh, the turnip is metaphorical. It refers to any root vegetables. Now, um, the, <laughs> the, the thing that I think, we make a distinguish between, you know, we talk, we were making fun of these people that want to talk about naturalistic explanations for these things. Israel would make absolutely no distinction. I mean, if you could explain oh, no. it naturalistically, God is behind it yeah. as far as they're concerned. Yeah. So it doesn't, there is no natural slash right. supernatural. The laws in the ancient, of science. Yeah, exactly. Yes. In the mind of the, the this text, in the mind of the ancient Israelite, everything is God. Yeah. And so... Right. That's so there is point. no natural slash supernatural. So if you want to explain it, that's fine, but it doesn't. That is not the question it, being it, raised. It would not change the way Israel would tell this story, right? No. If you want to yeah. connect all the plagues of Israel to the plagues of Egypt to the flooding of the Nile, mm-hmm. okay, it wouldn't yeah. change the way Israel told yeah. the story. You know, right. if you want to talk about manna and quail and water from naturalistic explanations, great. Doesn't change the way Israel tells the story. Yeah. Because it's ultimately, it's God. Delivered. Well, those are our questions. Of course. Well, there's so much our questions yeah. since the enlightenment. And you know what? When, when we were having financial troubles, right when I was in college and mom, I post my parents' divorce and, and suddenly we got an escrow refund in the bank that was $5 more than we needed for a bill that was coming due. I can give yeah. you all the naturalistic yeah, exactly. explanations mm-hmm. for why mm-hmm. banks will periodically audit yeah. their escrow accounts. But as far as I'm concerned, that was a miracle. Mm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, we... I don't accept David Hume's definition. Right. I got a tax return when I was going on a short-term mission. I had no money. Did I talk about this? No. I had no money for eating. I was leading a group of people down into Mexico, and I was going to be gone a week, and I had no money. And it was like, I I have no source of money, you know? And uh, and the mail had already come, so no miracle in the mail. And uh, and then as I'm as I'm leaving... Someone had already picked up the mail. I was living in the in a house behind a house, and they picked up mine. It was my it was my tax return. It was leaning against the door. Is the refund, a, was... yeah, a refund, yeah. Wow, the refund. Yeah, you like, can have all the ex, the naturalistic yeah. explanations that you want. Yeah, it's nothing like, takes the, the miracle yeah, out of that for yeah, you right. or for me. Yeah, yeah so the, the timing was the miracle. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's important for me here. Right. Yeah. Good. Good story. Reminder. 
All right. How about Psalm 78? Sounds good. Or portions of Psalm 78. Or portions thereof. You want to try to bite off all of that and chew it. So here's a little few nuggets. Gather them up. (laughs) Collect them all. Trade them with your friends. 78, 1 to 4 and 12 through 16. Yep. Perhaps it'll be a similar topic. It might. It usually is. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Some people can actually do that with their ears. I can wiggle my ears. Can you wiggle your ears? uh, Oh, I have to use my hands. No, no, I don't need my hands. Okay. Thanks for a great podcast, too. (laughs) But I digress. (laughs) I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide... We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. In the sight of their ancestors, he worked marvels in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the water stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all night long with a fiery light. He split rocks open in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yes. He does that kind of thing. That's the does kind of thing God does. a lot of things does. with water. Yeah. Well, yeah. water yeah. was life. Yeah. I mean, anywhere in the ancient Near East where there was a source of water mm. was mm. a holy place. Yeah. Okay. It was a Canaanite temple. It was a, it, I mean, they, they were holy places. If yeah. they're on top of mountains, you got shrines on top of mountains. If they're, I mean, always. So water, like you said, water is important. Water's it's life. Right after oxygen. Um, yes. Pretty much. <laughs> The uh, Psalm 78 is in book three, so it's uh, the middle of book three. It's one of those uh, historical psalms I talk about that's one of the three big epic history of Israel psalms, uh, Psalm 78, 105, and, uh, and 106. Yes, you don't get a lot of those those epic poems, but here we have, um, we have three. Um, book three, you might recall I've said before, is an exilic book. Mm-hmm. It is... It is the book that comes together that really wrestles with explicitly that they are in exile, that um, destruction has come on the temple and they are uh, looking for answers in some ways. I think Psalm 89 is very much a wrestling with answer, trying mm-hmm. to find answers. Yeah. Um, and so Psalm 78 uh, is, you know, let's not hide these stories from our children. Let's tell these stories of the coming. Okay. This, this is the work that God has done. So they're, they're re- revisiting these Exodus stories and the way in which God has been faithful in the past in a place and a time when they really need Exodus, when they really need God to bring them out of captivity and, yeah. and, and do mm-hmm. some, do some miracles, make some waters flow in the desert again yeah. and, and bring them out. So I think that's the context for these, um, for this, this section in particular is, is remembering what has come before. Um, but that he's always had saving power and, you know, he's been, it goes on to talk about, you know, God will get full of rage when people are disobedient, but, you know, God remembers them and uh, won't forget them. And and so, I mean, I think actually the next verse after 16 is, yeah, yet they still sinned more against him is the, ne- oh, <laughs> is the next verse. Is that the next so, verse? Yeah. So it's the, even though God has had all this okay. wonderful stuff for you, you people really are a problem. And so it kind of, okay. it, it is both etiology, you know, why are we in exile and also uh, okay. a I think a plea for hope and, and that God might do something new uh, okay. again uh, while they're, while they're wrestling. And so scholars think this is exilic, not just anti-right. 
Yeah, no, I think, yeah. Well, I guess technically since N.T. Wright might think it and I think it, that makes plural, right? So scholars do believe. No, I do. I do believe that that book three is is clearly, and I don't say that often in the Bible, but clearly an exilic okay. book. I mean, Psalm 74 is is a psalm about the destruction of the temple. Yeah. And what do we okay. do? Psalm 89 is what do we do with the loss of Davidic monarchy? Uh, and <laughs> while well, we're here in exile. Yeah, well, exactly. It's so might as well be. A psalm of David. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the only Psalm of David you get in, uh, in this one is 80, which one is it? 83, I think is a Psalm of David. 86 is a Psalm of David. Yeah. But the rest, but that's, but it's not about the destruction. It's not about the destruction. No, no. Answer me. I'm poor and needy actually is the Psalm of David there. So even, even the Psalms that on their surface look like happy Psalms in Uh book three for me Uh are, are exilic in their tone. Like for example, okay. Um, Psalm 84 is one people always quote, you know, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord, and better is one day in your courts than mm-hmm. thousands elsewhere. I think that's in the context of yeah. not having courts. Right. Oh, you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. so people always sing it positive, but I think uh-huh. in the context of book three, you hear it different. Oh, you know? my goodness, yeah. Where's the land? Where's the temple? Where's Davidic monarchy? Right. What are we? I, I mean, there are three Psalms celebrating that explicitly in book three, and I think yeah. it's, I think it's because they don't have it. That's why. So, yeah. So anyway... This is in that context and trying to encourage the people to, to for, encourage God to do something new like he's done of old and encourage the people to be faithful in the midst of, um, you know, to not let God throw the east wind down on us anymore, which yep. is yep. always a bad wind. The, the east wind is always a wind from the desert. So that's, that's why the east wind blows yeah. good. Oh, yeah. 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 What's, what psalm is it? It's like that psalm. See, I can never tell if you're about to be serious Does about it, to tell a joke when you do this. To go, you... You don't know what you have until it's gone. <laughs> Pave paradise, put up a parking lot. Isn't isn't that, isn't that what the? I'm not sure, but I think you just conflated the, two songs the, in an attempt to make that joke. That. Either Psalm of David or maybe I think it's it was Joni Mitchell. Might actually, Joni Mitchell. yeah, that great okay. prophet of old, Joni yeah, Mitchell. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, they didn't make it a parking lot, but they would. So, I know Amy so Grant covered that on her Wheels in Motion album, really? as I recall. Yeah. That was the beginning of the uh, well, the downward <laughs> spiral. For, Amy. Well, you say what you like. I went to that concert. <laughs> so. Just saying. I was in, you know, I was, I was young and impressionable. What are you going to do? Starts. Joni so. Mitchell's a gateway. <laughs> gateway songwriter. Oh, uh, anyway. What do you have any, any observations, thoughts, questions? People should just live, listen to Evie and the Imperials. That's what my, <laughs> that's my observation. I don't think that's your observation. <laughs> Noted blues guitarist that you are, I don't think that is your observation. The latter, the latter, Imperials. Mm. <laughs> wow, that's really dating. Uh, it seems to cover some similar ground. Yes. No, it's um, it's worth retelling. Well, I, you know, and it's probably I think it was uh, uh, for, for me. Thinking, if I don't know the way forward, I, I think about the past. Well, exactly. And that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. James Sanders, um, who's a canonical scholar a long time ago, said that in times of crisis, in times of crisis, you can't look to a new authority figure. You have to turn back to the uh, old. That in times of crisis, a new figure is not going to do. You need to return. Yeah. And so that's why I think Psalm 90 is the Psalm of Moses. That's why I think here in the midst of exile, we look back to Exodus mm-hmm. here. You know, I mean, yeah. in, in a time of crisis, you've got to to turn back and look to those old times when things made more sense. Yep. 
and, and sort of retrace your steps. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah. so God did this, then we went off base. Why, I'm starting to see where the problem why was. Why did I get on the internet? Let yeah. <laughs> me check my history here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to look something up. Now I'm on Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> do you know some parts of the pine tree are edible? I was unaware, <laughs> I was unaware of that. I do know that because I had to study <laughs> one of his books before I went and lived off the land in Hawaii. Oh, wait, Yul, living Yul off the land in Hawaii? Well, it is one of the easiest places. I would say if you're going to. <laughs> but Yul Gibbons wrote a book on it. <laughs> well, I'm, can I just take a moment to be impressed that you knew I was impersonating Yul Gibbons in that moment? I mean, We, we stand with our theme of dating ourselves. I might, might, as, well have, I might as well have just said, <laughs> I'll join Jim downstream. Just as the mother bear protects <laughs> yes. her cub, so Mutual yeah. of Omaha protects Man, you. We're <laughs> pulling out the, the old chestnuts. You can eat those. Anyway. You know, one of the difficult things about coming off of sabbatical is I don't have as much time to read anymore. Fortunately, Audible has solved that problem for me. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or other MP3 player. And for you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free, no-obligation, 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out the service. So you can listen to everything from the Star Wars Expanded Universe or some theological readings like N.T. Wright or John Walton. To download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. That's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. And you'll get a free audiobook with their easy-to-use Audible app that's yours to keep even if you cancel the service. So make sure and go and get your free audiobook today. Are you ready to do Philippians 2? Yeah, let's do it. Because we aren't anywhere. No. Uh, and I you mean to you, merely have a conversation about it. We need to give you give yeah. you some space Not on this one. Exegeted. You can go swim in this one, man. That's good Elephants stuff. can swim here. Yeah. If mm-hmm. then there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind. Have the same love. Be in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, being found in human form. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Some good verses in there. That's, there's some good verses in that Philippians, boy. Yeah. It's that's uh, awesome. It's interesting. When you ask the question, uh, you know, about it, did Paul have a high Christology? <laughs> it's good to kind of start with the uh, the hymns where he's worshiping Jesus as God. That's yeah. probably not a bad place to start. That's true. You know, it's like, are we still asking that question? So, so that section you've got here, um, the, 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 the hymn about mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. that in your perspective is possibly an early church hymn they used? I mean, what do, you, what do you think? Could be one of you the... You think er- Paul wrote that? I don't know. I don't know. I, it's not... 
it's not beyond him in terms of uh, elevated language or, mm-hmm. or poet, poetic, but it, there are a lot of terms that he doesn't use okay. anywhere else. And, um, our, you know, what, how do you say the Harpax legomenon? Harpax legomenus. Yeah, one, one, you know, one occurrence. One in, offs of the word. In the whole, you know, of the, of the New Testament. So it is it's distinctive language. And uh, he, it may, if he composed it, I, I got to wonder whether he would, he would, uh, he wouldn't use that other places. So, ah. um, I, I certainly don't think it's beyond him to to quote a hymn and uh, to. They seem to know this. I mean, he's yeah. quoting it in a way that they know that, and they're to take instruction from it. So it's not as though uh, this is new, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like remember that remember that song I wrote when I was there. Like, <laughs> remember that song we wrote when I was in jail there. <laughs> Yeah, I think that so this could be. It, there are a number of scholars say this is one of the earliest uh, Christian hymns we could yeah. point to. That certainly that that points to you know the worship of Jesus, uh, which in a monotheistic context says something right that we didn't have language a for yet. monotheistic. Okay? Didn't have that language yet, but we're worshiping Jesus. Yeah, okay? you know, um, that's it's quintessential. Uh, you know. Highest Christology. I mean, Shema is recited every single week in every single synagogue mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. hero Israel, yeah. the Lord our God right. is one. And yeah. to for for Christ to break in in such a way to be worshipped like this in such a way in that kind of environment, that kind of culture is a testament to how convinced they were. Yeah, you know uh, that that Yahweh and it, Jesus were the same. Yeah, we're you know? not the same. It, it's, not. Even now, it's hard to you know. Right. How do you talk about mystery? And you add the element of the earliness of this, yeah. that it is, there's the, there's a careful phraseology from someone who's, who's a died in the wool monotheist, right. but wants to make an understanding that Jesus fully participates right. in what I'm talking about as God. Right. So that is, that every word here, uh, I, I, I started to tell you this before the podcast, but you said, save it for the I podcast. I said, save it for the podcast. <laughs> Even in small commentaries, even in single volume commentaries of the Bible, they go nuts with this. They really, it's yeah. like, it's like always four times longer than anything around it. So every word, there's a debate, like there's four opinions on every word <laughs> in here. It's a very well debated category because it's saying so much. It is. So early. And it is poetic. And I think, I think just because, it, well, I think. Even people who are careful about reading in context, even they, even then, they make this mistake of doing word studies and just right. getting really deep in this. Like even poetry, even a song, you kind of need to step back and look at the bigger context. Mm-hmm. Like what is this saying? But um, the carefulness of the phraseology of even though he's in the form of God, where we get our word yeah. um, morphology, the the form. So much debate about that. What does that mean? But it is in one sense, it's a careful way of saying he's very God, but. He's not identical to Yahweh. Yeah, that is, there's, there's more to this, this God we worship. Yeah, it's, uh, there's this uh, plurality or community, and uh, uh, so I, I was just thinking, you know, as hearing all the rehearsal of all these different ways of thinking about it, and I'm think I was thinking, that's just someone who's being very careful about making the distinction because we had right. just gone over, um, in my John class, we had just gone over the prologue, mm. the first verses where it is very careful yeah. and you and saying it in a Dramatic. Did I talk about this? Uh, Maybe it was it's, a long time ago, but yeah, go ahead. It's worth it's, doing it's, again. It's it's careful with the grammar. It's careful with the uh, the poetry, but it uses those together to both 
to say in the most precise way you can without saying that that uh, and the word was with God and the word was God was God and the way it doesn't say identical to God is to leave off an article. Yes, he was because you could play with the word order and and uh, and where the God shows up in there. You would if you had already referred to God, you would need an article. Um, so it's a it, but the 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 couplet where you begin the next phrase with how you ended the last phrase. Yeah. It's saying, I'm now talking about Jesus, but I'm also saying poetically, I'm saying I'm talking about God, but it's just really interesting the way they do that. It's not going to work on a podcast. If, I did a <laughs> if you could follow these charts, yeah. it's really motioning with my hands. Can everybody see this? See the end, see the end of this verse? That's what starts the next verse. Yeah, that'll Wait, there's a hand in the back. You might no, have heard, no, the, <laughs> you might heard some wind as my hands swished past the, <laughs> the microphone. <laughs> But I'm I'm just I was aware of the carefulness, the the need to go to poetic language. Well, basically, and you're, the care. You're saying that in some ways he's using a Hebrew poetic parallelism to make an association with God in a way that also at the same time is is making a distinction from God. John is John is doing that. Yes, and, and so and so you see Paul doing that in yeah, this issue of yeah, form, the word yeah. form of God, mm-hmm, equality, mm-hmm. but not. Yeah, it's like here. approach. It's someone who's coming from a position, I think, of monotheism and said, how do I talk about Christ as fully God, yeah. you know? And and so some people would demur and they say form is not, that's not completely, you know, there's different meanings of that word. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's not a fully high Christology, but it uses that same word to talk about becoming human. Take the uh, yeah. form of a... Form of a human. Where is that? The form, form of a slave. Form of a form of a slave yeah. and being born in human likeness. If that's unpacking what being taking the form of a slave or a servant is, mm-hmm. well, he was fully human. Right. Okay? There's not, not a question about that. So uh, this is very early. That's true. So he has form of God and form of human yeah. in that mm-hmm. same two verses. Mm-hmm. I'd never put that together before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was good. Yeah. So uh, a number of commentaries didn't mention that. And then um, there's a really, there's a, you know, the, uh, the word biblical commentary is written by Gerald Hawthorne, mm-hmm. but then edited by Ralph Martin. Okay. Both experts on this passage, you know, Ralph oh. Martin wrote a book called Carmen Christi, uh, Christ Hymn. And uh, so it's funny, even within that text, which is a very, very big text, uh, they're arguing with each other. <laughs> the <laughs> the editor editor's and the author? Sort of. You know, they don't, they don't always agree. So I'm thinking, I th- I've always heard that, that Ralph Martin believed this. And I'm reading through this commentary, and I realize, oh, I'm getting a little bit of Gerald Hawthorne here. It's uh, like even even there. So so one of the things, one of the debated things is how do you read, um, uh, where is it? Uh, boy, if I knew that'd be remarkable. Verse six. Okay. okay, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though Five. okay oh, yeah. is that well, what do you deal with that? Some people that the though is not there in Greek because oh. it's a participle. Be, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Being in the form of God, okay. Mm-hmm. So how do you understand as mm. with as with uh, this this uh, hypotactic Greek where you have all these subordinate clauses? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that relate to the main clause? You just so, used the word hypotactic in a podcast that we're hoping yeah. is being listened and to. And Hebrew by... is paratactic, yeah. <laughs> and this and the parallelism, and so hypotactic is a lot of a lot of complex. This would be a structures. good time to remind our audience <laughs> that Mike has a master's in <laughs> linguistics and. Well, the audience might not. And you would hear this language in, in seminary. It's just, it's just one of the really dis- big distinctions between Hebrew and Greek. You okay. know, these really long... Yes. Uh, Luke is great at it, as yeah, I recall. Yes. I mean, He's you know... Great, if you like that kind of thing. But it's how do you relate that clause to what follows? And there's a big argument about um, 
even though he was in the form of God, uh, or despite being in the form of God. Right, right. We talked and, a little bit about this right. before, didn't we? And I think it's Ralph Martin, and also more popularized more broadly by N.T. Wright. I believe it's by N.T. Wright, who says... Boy, he comes up a lot, yeah. doesn't he? Well, he's a synthesizer, so he's always picking up other people's stuff and, 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 and translating it to together a broader well. audience. Yeah. But there are scholars, and I, I would... I would go there that it's they read it as precisely because he's God. Because yeah. he's God, he does these sorts yeah. of things. Yeah, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ, who being God did yeah. this kind of yeah. thing. Who being God, because being God, he did this. He did not regard equality with God something to be exploited or or grasped or clung to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. Because that's the kind of thing God does. Precisely because that's a classic God move. That's a class, classic <laughs> yeah. God. The God we come to know now through the cross. You know, uh, We didn't know that before. Mm. Maybe that wasn't fully apparent. It is. There are you know, glimpses yeah. of that, clearly. Yeah, the, oh, absolutely. In the Old Testament. And he's alluding to some well, of Well, you the, could make the argument creation itself is. Yeah, you know, a, a God who is making space and mm-hmm. a God who is desiring to to be with humanity. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so absolutely. Yeah. I think that you throughout the um, tabernacle mm-hmm. is an example of that. You know, a God who wants to camp with his people and not live on a mountain isolated uh-huh. off, but wants yeah. to go camping and uh-huh. build me a tent and yeah. let's wander around the desert together. Um, the social, the orientation toward others. Yeah. Know? Um, and wanting the best for others and doing whatever is yeah. needed. It's just this, I was thinking if I was on a, you know, a, 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 an island and I only had one text, I think this would not be a bad choice. That's a good just, text. Just read this text every day. Yeah. It's like, it's, a, it's so much of the story condensed down uh, into this whole sweep of, of emptying and, and uh, humbling oneself and being obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross, yeah. and then exaltation. Just thinking, and um, I'm teaching uh, prophets this semester, and we we're doing Isaiah yesterday, and in particular, oh, Isaiah, which one? Uh, <laughs> thought we'd do them all. You know, just Ooh. I'm going to do Isaiah since that's what the Bible says. Mm. Um, but in Isaiah one, how angry God is that Israel is so faithful in their worship, but uh, not yeah. in their attitude. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's. You keep bringing me these burnt offerings and these sacrifices, and you yeah. sing these songs, and you mm-hmm. burn the incense, and you do all of this stuff. Where's that at in Isaiah? Isaiah chapter one. I mean, it's the, the end of chapter one. Isn't that one the big one about fasting? Is that later in like two uh, or three? Here's the kind of fasting I want. Oh well, yeah, uh, yes, we just yeah, read that. That's later. But that then calls them Sodom and Gomorrah, mm. even though these people are bringing sacrifices and offerings and incense, and they're doing yeah. all the temple worship you want. But they are. But he says, but you don't have any regard for the immigrant and the orphan, yeah. or or the widow. You, yeah. You're not looking at. You're not taking. You, you selfish ambition is all you have. It's only about you. And then I come here and see. Don't nothing. Do nothing out of self. Um, but in humility, regard others. You go into the back room and crafting carefully worded statements and uh, <laughs> releasing them. It is just. It, it's remarkable how. This is just classic God. You know, it is. It's just it's a classic yeah. God thing. It's not what we always thought about God, but now now we know. He's and, like And Jesus. when you look, you can see we yeah. should have been so thinking that, yes. about God this way. That's what I that's what I was thinking about the more I meditated on this passage. And as as I'm doing the I, I'm saying to myself, why don't I meditate on this passage more as I'm doing it? Yeah. And I'm thinking, this just changes the nature of the way you look at at reality. Yes. Reality is is way different than the way we think of it. Yes. It's just mind-blowing. Well, I mean, it's a God who washes the feet uh-huh. of his disciples. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's, that's what he does. That's a yeah. God thing. Well, that's 
That's what I was going to mention, oh, John 13. I, you yeah, you yeah. kept looking. I'm going to open up John 13. I said, John, we don't have John 13. So, well, yeah, we might get there if we yeah. go Philippians. And here I'm the one who did it. And, Dang it. And the thing, the narration and how it's narrated, the foot washing in John, is that it very much follows this pattern of, of taking the form of a servant, mm-hmm. serving others, being obedient Humbled unto himself. death, and then being exalted. And Jesus, at the Last Supper, stands up and takes off his outer garments and girds himself with a towel. So he, he lays aside his, his robe and, and actually takes the, dramatizes taking the form of a servant and yeah. then serves others, which blows people's minds, right, okay? Right, right. This is, there's no room for that in their, their understanding of, of lordship. A master who does yeah. that. Is... Yeah. And then, and he doesn't say anything, he doesn't narrate what he's doing until afterwards, and he sits back down, puts his robe back on, he says, mm-hmm. you call me master and lord and you are correct to do so. Yeah. So it's very much how starting with God and ending with lordship language. Oh, and that's true. You can you can actually lay it out, and I do lay it out in because um, I teach John more often. I teach I lay out Philippians two and John thirteen. But you you could do it if you're teaching Philippians, just and point lay for out point. John thirteen. Yeah. In fact, I think this shows up in the uh, in Ralph Martin's commentary somewhere. I didn't come across it today, but uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Which which raises the question: Is is John interacting with other Christian tradition in the form of the Gospels, but also early Christian worship. Yeah, it's a good point. It's if like, this was a well-known hymn, yeah, then yes. John telling that story uh-huh. in a way that would correspond yeah, to that, yeah. people wouldn't miss. And so so Jesus says, remember that hymn that Paul wrote? Yeah. <laughs> Knowing all. Said he knew all, so he could do that. <laughs> Knowing all. He rose and... Took off his robe. <laughs> I don't know. Man, we're getting deep. I don't. These guys really get deep. Seem to have wandered a bit. I don't know. <laughs> but it is. It is like John to re-express uh, fundamental Christian theology in in fresh symbolism. Uh, and this is could could very well could have known that could be interacting with early Christian worship mm. uh, as Paul is, and 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 using it as an example. You know, That's it's like great. this isn't a singular event, but it is something to. To um, there's a debate about is this something to emulate and be modeled, or is this something to recognize and obey that Lord? Uh, that's I didn't realize that was a debate till my, a debate. Till my reading. I don't think it's two different things because because when you get to the takeaway, as right. it were, um, therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, he's still using servant language. There. Yeah, and, he's, and there's servant language. It's, uh, what I'm realizing is how well crafted Philippians is. Yes, I mean it's it's amazing because some of the language he uses in chapter one about people doing things from vain conceit. Mm-hmm. It's like don't do things from vain conceit. Don't, you know, it says uh, uh, verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. And he talks about other people preaching the gospel mm-hmm. from their own ambitions and conceit, right. and trying to make it hard. And it's interesting the way that's woven in to the Philippian situation and how this, this hymn fits perfectly and the moral exhortation on the yeah. other side of the hymn. And, and another thing, it's like, maybe things aren't so hunky-dory there at Philippi. You know, all this stuff about, uh, you yes. should do these things. Like, there's actually, as I get, you know, I haven't studied Philippians deeply, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of indications that there's strife and, you know, at the end, it, he, he right. mentions two women by name. Don't argue, you know. Calls them out. Yeah, calls them out. Well, that that sense of, you know, if if... I mean anything to you, or Jesus yeah. means mm-hmm. anything to yeah. you, uh-huh. then yeah. right. get along. I mean, yeah. that's verse two, yeah. right? I right. mean, if, if then there's any encouragement in Christ or any consolation from love or any sharing mm-hmm. in spirit or any compassion, if, yeah. if you, yeah. if I've gotten through about Jesus to you at all, mm-hmm. agree with each other, yeah. love together, you know, be in full. Yeah. I mean, so 
I think you're exactly right. You know, well, and this is, and some people say, well, where does this hymn come from? So it comes from the words of Jesus, and that He's always saying the last will be first, and the first will be last. Yeah, the greatest will among you will be the one who serves. And there's just all these places in scriptures, like, oh yeah. Jesus always said that, yeah. <laughs> you know. And now we understand it. Yeah, now we understand. And then he did it. And now yeah. we worship him and sing it, you know, and yeah. and and reflect on it and and take it into our own lives. And and that's the thing is that these these theological ideas move us to action. Mm-hmm. That's always Paul, right? That that mm-hmm. that any theological yeah. principle moves you to action. So therefore, yeah. um, you yeah. know, work out your salvation and yeah. for it's God is working in you to will and work for his good purpose, yeah. you know. Pleasure, excuse me. So, what an extraordinary text! Yeah, just and amazing. That, you know, when I, I did take a New Testament. I did take one, no, two New Testament classes. No, I, <laughs> I took a couple, <laughs> and one of them was one where we went through the Pro Gymnastica and oh, actually okay. were breaking down uh-huh. these parts of it, and the ways in which, which is a handbook on Greek rhetoric, exactly the ways in which these individuals were trained in rhetoric to make arguments and how you framed an argument and how you set it up Mm -hmm. and how you built on it. Yes. And, and that this was just an intro book, right? I mean, these, these weren't even necessarily people who were incredibly skilled at it. When you think about it, this is just how you'd be trained early. And, and that perhaps this is what Luke meant when he said an orderly account of the gospel, Mm -hmm. that it would be one that would conform to an accepted rhetorical Mm -hmm. telling. These people knew what they were doing. I mean, oh, there was sure a did. level of of verbal skill that we just yeah. don't take the time to appreciate. Yeah. I think because yeah. we ramble in our letters, you know, <laughs> we I, don't yeah, take the I time don't. to realize the way they build these arguments mm-hmm. and yeah. build these points and and use a great deal of skill in putting them all together. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm reconvinced when I when I get to slow down and spend some time with Paul. It's like, oh my goodness. That was he set me up for this chapter, you know, in such <laughs> yeah. a masterful way. Yeah, and it, and and it, you know, as much as I know better, I tend to discount it because he might be dictating this to someone, and he's got this yeah, worked out. Right. He's gonna work this out on paper, you know, or yeah. word processor, which are things he you thought, have on your computers. He thought this way. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's an oral culture. We tend to think, well, you know, it's oral. They can only do things with, like we can do things with our tiny little memories and and oral skills. But they were they, they were, were as accomplished yeah. uh, in anything we can do with memory or writing or a computer. It's astounding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's astounding. Um, That's a great passage. This is a great passage. Yeah, I just, yeah. There's there's how it's presented, but then there's the content. It's both of you those know? things. I mean, this is a place where you know what you say about John. You can. Child can wade, but an elephant can swim. Mm-hmm. This is an elephant yeah. chapter. Yeah. This is so much going on. It's it's one of these texts that I I find like they're kind of like they just blow your mind or or it's uh, I, I, there's a list of them. I had I was making a list of them someday. I thought that would be a good little book, and this and and John thirteen and Revelation five and they mm-hmm. all quintessentially say something so paradoxical about God. Yes. Know? The, the the essence of God. It's only paradoxical because of our misshapen ideas about God. Right. And and uh, they just blow my mind. And I'm not aware of other religious traditions that have this concept of God. Yeah. As being servant. Mm-hmm. It's just astounding. That's a that's a fair point. It's a lot here. Worth doing a series on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a whole podcast series. No, we won't. Yeah. Do Matthew 21? Uh, yeah. Let's do Matthew 21. Jesus mm-hmm. is going to get in trouble. He usually does. 
Matthew 21, starting in verse 23. When he, that thing about be, God building a temple and wanting to be with people? Well, <laughs> here you go. When he entered the temple... <laughs> oh, no, this isn't the cleanse of the temple. Sorry. <laughs> when he entered the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Could we see your papers? Jesus yeah. said to them, I will ask you one question. If you tell me the answer... <laughs> sorry, it's like, what Ooh. number am Could I thinking of? No. Yeah. <laughs> then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. In the things. morning, I walk on four. Yeah, no, that's the sphinx two. you're thinking of there. <laughs> Verse 25, did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. One another. This is like that family feud moment where they're all mm, huddled yep, up. They, yep. You know, somebody yelling exactly things. Like that. From heaven. From earth. <laughs> um, if we say from heaven, he'll say, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid the crowd for all regard John has, as a, before all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Service is. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing mm. these things. Yeah. Um, what do you think? A man had two... What is, what is that? What's that quite, what do you think? Segway. <laughs> obviously. Moving that's on. The, that's not Jesus' strongest segue. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, <laughs> that's Matthew. anybody got any thoughts? Anyone? Yeah. No? Uh, All right, it, I got a story. This only follows in <laughs> Matthew. <Yeah. laughs> a man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he didn't go. I know these kids. <laughs> Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. Is this Matthew? Mm-hmm. What's kingdom of God doing in here? Uh, oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, yeah. for John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your mind and believe. Yeah. So yeah, this is go. only found here in, in uh, Matthew, or in this order. And this is like a story, this is very much like a story in John in Luke 7. And you have, this is a typical Matthew thing to, to uh, Classic Matthew, clean maybe. up anything that might be questionable about Jesus, although I don't think it's questionable. It's like in, in Luke 7, it's, it's contrasting the asceticism of John with the... Right, the drinking and the... The drinking and the gluttony and the of gluttony. Jesus, you know. And, uh, you know, Matthew leaves that out, so, and moves it here. But um, the question, the question here is a, a th- about authority, right? And he's, uh, and really, it's it's asking the question about spiritual authority or heavenly authority, mm-hmm. like heavenly authority. You know, you got you guys want to know about heavenly authority? Do you, mm-hmm. do you are you even capable of recognizing mm-hmm. heavenly authority? And really, kind of raises the issue. You guys can you guys are so blind? You wouldn't recognize yeah. heavenly authority if it was under your own. Case in point, yeah. <laughs> John the Baptist. Okay. Uh, with a little segue of a parable about vineyards in between. Okay, so yeah, John is. Uh, they do this. They do the same thing to to Jesus. He asks a question that well, if they say one thing, it's not going to go well with them. If they say another thing, it's not going to go well with them. Right. They ask that of Jesus about the the uh, text, the uh, temple, the temple tribute. Text. Yeah, tribute, it's yeah. like there's no good answer for that, but Jesus answers it in a much deeper way. Right. Uh, they can't answer this. So, um, but it is. It raises the question of. Are you guys capable of discerning spiritual authority? Mm-hmm. You know, it's that mm-hmm. kind of, that's uh, not explicitly articulated, but that's kind of really what's at issue. And, and somewhat unpacked in the, uh, in the second story. So he's telling the story to the chief priests and the elders. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this is not a disciple. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't turned to the crowd. It's like, hey, moving on. Okay. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> I think I handled that. What do you that. think? 
pretty well, don't well, you think? Like, what do you think of this parable? I just came up with it. <laughs> Dusting his hands off, moving on to this parable. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. yeah. So, heavenly origin of authority versus human authority. And, of course, he's already come in and cleaned up the, the temple. Oh, at this point, he's already cleaned the temple? Cleaned, cleaned house. Yeah, it might not look like he was cleaning house, but he was. That, he came in and, and uh, uh, disturbed the temple, right? I always call that prophetic street theater mm-hmm. when yeah. I talk about yeah. it. That yeah. This isn't because it's not like, like the money Jeremiah, changers weren't there right? the next day, right? I mean, yeah, they they came yeah. back obviously, right. right? And so it wasn't a an action that was going to forever change the nature of commercial properties right. in this split. No, yeah, no, it would it be was, like the prophets doing a prophetic action. Right, it was an action of drama of. It was a sermon illustration. People go, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> what was that wow. all about? <laughs> you know what? We'll just come back tomorrow. That's just Ezekiel being Ezekiel. <laughs> exactly. It's Jeremiah being Jeremiah. Eating What's with the scrolls. Pot? <laughs> Again, burying underwear. It's the kind of thing he does. <laughs> okay. Don't, even, don't, prophets are don't weird. go there. We did have a, we, we had a debate in the pro, in, in prophets class of what is the weirdest symbolic action God ever asked or a prophet yeah. ever performed. Is it in Ezekiel? And it was not. Oh. Um, so uh, the, is the, it in Hosea? Well, that was a thought too. Hosea made the finals marrying a prostitute. Okay. What made the finals. But, but I think overall voted weirdest action God ever asked of a prophet was Isaiah 20, and that is to preach naked for three years. Okay, yeah. All that right. would be yeah. on the list of strangest things. I, I, that's I that's say what it the, said in his yearbook, voted it, weirdest, <laughs> weirdest prophet. Most likely to be strangest prophet. <laughs> uh, I always told the students, if God asked me to preach naked for three years, I ask for ID. But apparently, <laughs> yeah. Isaiah, God. you know. And the students asked the questions that really matter. <laughs> One of them asked, well, did he wear clothes at home? <laughs> I don't I, I don't I don't know. I mean, yeah, just not in public. Just not. Well, honey, I'm off to work. Got, got some standards. I don't quite. I've had that dream. I, <laughs> well, but this act of prophetic street theater was pre- he was preaching a sermon. Yeah. Right. About the nature of the temple and what's going on. And well, and probably echoing Jeremiah. Jeremiah 7. Absolutely. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Without question. Yeah. And he's not. And actually, if you read, well, not in Matthew, and I'm not sure it's in the others. He's not angry. It doesn't say he's angry at people and it doesn't say he's hitting people with a whip you know i'm like i'm thinking about all the different versions oh, you're about the people whenever he's, we want to have a conversation yeah, about commitment to nonviolence, and someone says what about yeah, the temple you, think of, you know what what would jesus do well that's not beyond him it's like well yeah. it's not violence he's not he's not you know killing people he's not hurting you know right. tax collectors and uh and it is as you say it's business as usual the next day although yeah. he's saying it's not going to be business as usual uh, for very long, is what I, I will confess there was a time in my life when I almost flipped the temple t- uh, tables over. Okay. Um, it was at a Midwest SBL meeting, um, which was not, not a Midwest SBL, a Southwest SBL. It's when I was in Texas. Oh, well, yeah. And, uh, and we were, I still remember this. This was probably late 90s. And we were at this meeting. And they, what at the same time in the hotel, they had a... Uh, bodybuilders? No, no, they didn't have bodybuilders, but I'm trying to think of the right name for it. Um, they had a, basically the children's beauty pageants going on. Oh gosh. So it was a toddlers and tiara kind of thing. Right. They and so they had these, at the justice, they uh, had these hyper sexualized yep. made up toddlers mm-hmm. and children. And, and I'm standing there, you know, getting ready to walk oh, off yeah, to my yeah, Old Testament yeah, thing. Yeah, and the, the in my in my throat, I swear to you, I did entertain the idea mm-hmm. of going through and flipping the tables 
and pronouncing judgment on all of the I didn't, which probably was the right thing to do. But those sellers of tiaras, boy, and, the sellers and makeup. of tiara and makeup. I was ready to, I was yeah. ready to flip the tables yeah. there. Like you, yeah. would. I've never in my life yeah, had it rise in my I, gut like I could that, that moment. Yeah, when I wanted to. So that's yeah, a weird subculture. So <laughs> it's a very strange subculture. So I was, I mean. Anger might not be a mm-hmm. terrible thing to, yeah. to to project there, but certainly it was a sermon Righteous illustration anger. for Jesus there. Yeah. Um yeah. that he was making. And so this is this is after that in yes. Matthew? Yeah. He's already had he, he arrives and do, does that and, and then they say, attention. So what authority makes you come yeah. in and do these things? Yeah. Okay. Right. And, and he says, uh, What you I think about authority. John? Yeah. Yeah, I'll ask you a question. You know, do, do you even mm-hmm. have an ability to do that? And he's he's just healed blind people. A little right bit before this, as he's entering, I'm not sure if that's connected or not, but it does raise the the question of their capability to discern uh, authority, and he's going to actually answer the question in the form of another uh, vineyard parable about the uh, the workers who are and treated roughly, and ultimately yeah. the the son is uh, is killed, and uh, uh, I, I think we're going to talk about that in the lectionary. So this is we've had several vineyard parables that mm-hmm. he has here mm-hmm. in Matthew that he's running through. Think about vineyards in the Old Testament. A couple, yeah. Okay. There's, there's yeah. around there. Yeah, some symbolism. Starting with Noah, it didn't go well with okay. that one. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> we will talk about positive images. Oh, of positive Israel images as a vineyard, you know, and bearing fruit, and mm. uh, he's already cursed the fig tree, and uh, so he does that. In Mark, it's more framing his actions in the temple, but cursing the fig tree and not bearing fruit. Is, fig trees and and uh, vines are pretty high on the list of metaphors for yeah. for Israel. Yeah. Okay, so he's already done something with a fruitless fig tree, and he's then goes that gives some kind of a lens for his actions in the temple. Gotcha. All right, and there, so the reader gets it, and uh, but these guys don't get the the story. It's like, are you even capable of discerning spiritual mm-hmm. authority? And they're also talking like, <clears throat> you know, they're um, they're politicians. They have to go with like, well, our our ratings are <laughs> our ratings are pretty low right now, so we can't say this or that. You right. know, they're not like. They're not like the more popular lay leaders, like uh, um, the Pharisees. Right. I am curious about the the they're referencing John as the crowd being afraid. I mean, being afraid of they're afraid of the crowd for what they might say about John. Yeah. But they don't seem to have any concern about what they might say about Jesus in front of these people. So does Jesus not have the following or the he does the but goodwill? I of think the people? there's some editorializing going on here, and that, okay. that that John and Jesus are posed as examples of you you don't respond to any type of okay. messenger that God sends. Gotcha. You're, right. you're not capable of discerning and God okay. sent the whole range of messengers and you've never responded to any of them. Right. He says okay. that a lot too. Yeah. yeah. Here it's just it's just John. Uh, is there anything about the parable itself that you want to talk about? Um it is in a sense very much like the uh prodigal in the sense that uh, you have the the son who Seems like he's the good one and, you know, never left home. He's going to do his father's bidding, but doesn't, you know, and is, is alienated uh, in the, in the prodigal, you know, in Luke 15. Mm. And, uh, and then surprisingly, um, um, well, this is a little bit more positive about the response. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much both sons are, uh, you're, you're surprised that the seemingly obedient insider son is so alienated from God and, there is a surprising outcome to this too. And he forces them to say that, you know, the ones who said they're going to be obedient really aren't, you know, and they're, mm-hmm. he raised the question of like, Oh, what do you guys, you guys, are you guys really, are you guys really obeying yeah. God? Because 
like you said, those things that Isaiah says, you do all this stuff, you know, you do all yeah. this worship, you've got that down, but you don't, you don't, you give don't get a, it. Give a flip about this other stuff. Pardon my language. You don't. Well, such language. We'll bleep that out. Yeah. Um, but that notion of yeah, you don't look like God. You don't. I mean, and nothing makes God angrier than the people that don't. The people that say they get it but don't. Yeah. And yeah. The people that don't get it, they get grace. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a. That's and then a, he probably said something about the last being first or something. <laughs> it's not in here, but I. I can I bet imagine they heard that. It. They heard it. They got that message. Yeah. So, great. Yeah. Uh, it's the, one of these, you know, reversals uh, again. Mm-hmm. I think last time we were talking a lot about the uh, kingdom of God is not being opposite day. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I realized I, that one stuck with me too. I realized that there's these rhetorical moves of reversal and, and uh, the old switch, rhetorical switcheroo is it's not literally translated into uh, a reversal of stereotypes or a reversal of injustice or power structures. And I realized when I talk about this, Sometimes talk about it as scaffolding to the it's like rhetorical scaffolding to build a structure. But when you're done, when you've when you kind of disrupted those that way of thinking and people are open to a new way of thinking, you realize you got to take down that scaffolding because that scaffolding mm-hmm. is, is is a temporary sort of a way to create this new this new thing, this okay. new vision, this new understanding. Another way I think of saying what you just said, maybe, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that might be good at this point. Is is well, seems so clear when I said it when Brueggemann talks about <laughs> to me. The, the prophetic act uh, breaking people out of their numbness, that, that a lot of these yeah. crazy symbolic mm-hmm. acts or these things that, that people can't like hear. Like cleansing a temple. Like cleansing a temple. That people can't hear that message until you have broken them from their numbness, yeah. and then mm-hmm. you can have the mm-hmm. conversation about it. So just yeah. take a minute to say, the first will be last, the last will be first. So they say, excuse me, what? And it's like, okay, now that you're listening, yeah. what I mean by that uh-huh. is, yeah. you know, yeah. what yeah. The, the ultimate message here is yeah. that... And often people are taken aback and they're aghast. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that that's an important mm-hmm. sort of shaking people. And, and that yeah. was a question, I think, that that book, uh, we read Prophetic Imagination, which uh-huh. is, like I, I've mentioned before, is on that list of mm-hmm. one of the four books that changed my life. That question of what what would it take, you know, for God to break you out of numbness? You know, at what level have you co-opted God to your culture? And what what would break out of it, break you out of it? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, some people can't hear it. Yeah. Hey, we've passed the hour mark, and my computer's still going. We're That's still exciting. Going. That's I, all the words seem to be seem to still be here. Now we can broadcast as long as we want. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, look out. These podcasts will go forever. Someone told, us, told me it was too long. I don't know what that means. Which part? <laughs> Probably just the <laughs> the New Testament. Parts. The New Testament parts is just too long. So this goes on and yeah. on. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening this well, week. There's a lot of backstory. You want to tell the backstory? No. It's the New Testament. No, well, yes, that's true. Two thirds of the Bible is the backstory of the New that's Testament. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks for listening this week. I hope that uh, you've had a good week and uh, that the fall is upon you. Your your pumpkin spice and apple cider drinks are coming. Oh my! In. Uh, it's the beginning of the pumpkin industrial complex. It is. So time of year. Make sure and follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and leave a positive review on iTunes and uh, send us an email at if you still use yeah. such. Yeah. At yeah. Uh, readinginchurch at gmail.com. Or communicate other ways. Yeah, that yeah. works too. Yeah. So have a good week. Have a great week. Blessings. <laughs>